If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. All right, let's go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 2. No, 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. We're in a, a, a series that we started. We're in week 10, actually, of this series. I, I've seemed to have flown by. Hopefully, it hasn't seemed to go too slow for you. I hope this has really been a good series. I, I've been wanting to teach you. This is kind of a crash course throughout the entire Bible. And uh, so we're taking one book of the Bible each week, walking from Genesis all the way to the very last book of Revelation. Whenever we arrive there, we arrive there. We're in no hurry to get through it. And from time to time, we'll have interruptions here and there, like we had my brother a couple of weeks ago. And I think we've got Pastor John coming soon as well. Uh, so those, those kinds of things will happen. But I'm just excited about teaching you this series and, and help giving you an understanding of, of an overall understanding of the Bible, even though there's no way you can get all the understanding because it's such a deep book. There's so many marvelous stories and wonderful truths in it for us to learn from that it's going to take our lifetime uh, to continue to unfold. But you know, the scripture says that God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. You know, I found the more that I dig into the scriptures, the more I really purpose to, to read the Word. And I, for years, I read the Scripture and didn't understand it. And I simply read it out of duty. I know I'm probably not talking to anybody here. You can't relate to that at all. But, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I really did. I felt like, well, I need to, you know. I've always been told. We even sang a song when we were kids. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Anybody else sing that song in VBS? or Okay. Anyway. So... Uh, that was instilled in us all the time, you know, and even memorizing scripture. But there was so much of the Bible I didn't understand. And so it, it's taken years. And I realized that, that we are in process. We're in process. And God meets you along the way. And this, this, this relationship really is a two-way street. And he longs to show himself to us and wants us to understand. He didn't give us this Bible so that we could look at it and go, it's just too difficult to know God. No, he gave it to us so that we can understand. And a lot of times we just need a purpose to get quiet and sit long enough and be diligent to, to look at it so that God can begin to show himself to us. Because he's not in a hurry when it comes to his relationship with you. All right? He's not in a hurry. So, so he is willing and patient with us to, to yeah. reveal himself to us. So I do want to uh, just in, in, instill more hunger in you uh, about the word of God, just because you don't understand it. Hey, listen, read it, read it and pray. One thing that helped me, and maybe this will help you too. I know because I used to talk to my dad about this. I, I just said, I wish I could understand the Bible like you do. I don't, I don't understand. You know, I just would seem to get lost in it. And he said, well, if you'll take small portions of Scripture, he said, really, read the letters of Paul. That's where you need to spend most of your Bible reading, uh, which starts in the book of Romans and goes through, um, uh, uh, what's the last one? Not Revelation. No, he didn't write Jude. Well, somewhere before that. Anyway, <laughs> Romans, let me go through my Bible memory. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. Timothy chapter 4. 2nd Timothy chapter 4 is his last letter. So read, read in that area. That's where you need to spend most of your Bible reading time. And, and uh, anyway, he said, read small portions of Scripture. Just read a little bit of piece of Scripture, and then, but slow down. Read it out loud. Let your own ears hear it. And then go back and read it again. Just read small portions over and over. And he said, and you'll see that 
that as you dig, the Lord will begin to show you things. And I did. I would just sit and I would read out loud and I would read slow, just a little bit of scripture at a time. And then I'd go back over it and read it again. Of course, praying, Lord, show me something here. Because, you know, our life, it, you don't get anything out of your Christianity by just seeing it as duty. By just seeing as something that you need to do. There, I mean, you, you can live one level of life, but no, God wants to show himself to you. He wants you to go deep in this relationship with him. And as you dig, he shows himself to you. Hallelujah. So he just wants to be pursued because he's pursued you and is continuing yeah. to pursue you wherever you are because he loves you so much. And so I have found that great revelation has come to me by that very thing. So if you're struggling in your Bible reading or it's become something in the area of boring, uh, just just. Begin to pray again about it and, and, and get into a good habit of, of reading small portions of Scripture. Maybe even set some to memory. You know, decide you're going to memorize a verse a week. You know, just one little verse. It can change everything for you. So I don't even know why I said all that. I, but 2 Samuel, we're going to be in, in chapter 4. And we're, uh, today, you know, we've mapped out our course to see it, to bring a memento home to park at a, a, a main attraction in that book, and then also to look at the person of Jesus. I'm going to save the memento, the thing that we're going to bring into our lives for the, for the end. Um, but let's go to 2 Samuel 4 and verse 4. It says this, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came to Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. <clears throat> so, And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, his name was Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. <laughs> All right. Mephibosheth this is the son of Jonathan, the grandson of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Jonathan and David were very good friends. Very good friends. Jonathan actually protected David from his own dad killing him. And they made covenant together. And the scripture says that Jonathan loved David even as he loved his own soul. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a very special kind of friendship that they had, a very special bond. And one of, part of that covenant that Jonathan made with David was he told him, promise me, David, that you will show kindness to me in all my house for generations to come, that you will always be kind. And David promised him that that would happen. Well, Jonathan and Saul died in battle, and, and they, they, they were defeated by the Philistine army, which was the biggest army, the biggest threat to Israel at that time. And so they, uh, they, they died in battle. And when news came back to this place called Jezreel, where, where Jonathan's son Mephibosheth and other relatives were, they fled for the hills uh, for fear of the Philistines. And in, while making haste, this nurse who picked up little Mephibosheth to run, dropped him. And, and the fall was so hard that it, it crippled him. And, and so he was lame in both of his feet. And they ended up at a place, they crossed the Jordan, and they ended up in this place called Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. All right, Lodabar. Uh, Lodabar means without pasture. This is not a productive place. It's a desert kind of, kind of area. And so to be, to be lame... And then to have no inspiration in the environment you live in uh, is just, just a sad life, a sad existence, knowing that this is a king's grandson. And 2 Samuel 5, let's go there, Alex. 
David is ready to conquer Jerusalem. The Jebusites had, had been there, and now David's ready to make Jerusalem their home. And look at this. It says, now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft or through the water system and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be a chief captain. Next. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So they heard how David felt concerning the blind and the lame. They were despised by him. And so then this saying went out, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Now, we're going to jump over to chapter 9 and read this most interesting story. This is our attraction today. Now David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David remembers now, years have gone by. Years have gone by since Jonathan's death, and David basically has, has found rest. Uh, he's defeated the Philistine army uh, over and over again and, and weakened their effect against Israel, and, and it and has lots of peace all around. And one day he's, he remembers he remembers that promise that he made to his friend Jonathan. And he says, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king uh, said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. In other words, that should cancel out uh, your pursuit of kindness to anyone because we know the saying, David, that the, bl the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Didn't even care to name the boy at this time, only just his condition that he's lame in his feet, thinking that would be the end of the conversation. All right, watch. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Verse 6, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. 7, so David said to him, do not fear. For I will surely show kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Wow. Now, there is no way in Mephibosheth's wildest dreams would he have thought that was what was going to come out of David's mouth. He probably thought... He was going to hear David say, off with his head. Because knowing that he is a son of the king and David was not a son of Saul, this boy was a threat to his throne. And many times that happened from kings. They would just kill all their brothers or anybody else that would possibly be heir to the throne. Many wicked kings would just kill them. And so surely he thought, after hiding from the Philistines all those years, then Mephibosheth's... Uh, uh, Thinking was, at that time, now I've got to hide from David because if he finds me, my life is over. So they bring him there, and to hear these words, to hear this news, it must have just been astounding to this young, crippled boy who had been off, hidden for years in obscurity, and now he's been brought out. And not only, not only is David going to show him kindness, I mean, wouldn't it have been nice if David would have just sent him a pension check? 
right? If he would have just sent him a monthly check in the mail, that would have been a, a, a gesture of kindness for, for Mephibosheth. Just send it over to Lodabar and send him, you know, some, some food as well. We'll take care of him for Jonathan's sake. No, David goes over and above and says, no, I want him here. And, and, and think about this. David had to overcome himself to even fulfill this promise. And listen to me, this is important about all, all, for all of us today, to be people of our promise. We make a promise that you do whatever it takes to fulfill that promise. And sometimes you're going to have to overcome yourself. David overcame the giant Goliath. Now he's got to overcome the giant of his own despise toward crippled people. The lame and the blind shall not come in here. And yet here he comes. But that's not, David's not even concerned about that at the moment. He knows he made a promise. And he's going to do whatever it takes, even overcome his own personal opinions about it, to fulfill that promise to his friend Jonathan. He doesn't just send him a check, doesn't just send him a pension. He seats him in a place, not just any place, a place at the king's table where he would eat continually. What a marvelous, marvelous thing David did for young Mephibosheth. Why? Why would he do that? What did Mephibosheth do to deserve that kind of kindness? What did he do for David? David, I mean, it couldn't have been that he was so impressive looking to David. No, David despised his kind. It couldn't have been that he coerced David into this. He was hidden from him. And yet David shows him this kindness, not because Jonathan performed, or not because Mephibosheth performed in battle or did something valiant, not because he was even deserving of it, but based on this enduring promise to his friend that all the days of Jonathan, all throughout his generations, David would show him kindness. And it was that promise that propelled David to do what he did. I want to just remind you today, it wasn't your performance that got God to do something good for you. All right? The scripture says that God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God chose to be kind because that's who he is. God chose to be kind to us because he loves his son Jesus. And he believes in what Jesus did for us. And that, that scripture says that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. The world couldn't perform for him, but Jesus did it for us. Hallelujah. Yeah. And Amen. God has given all mankind an invitation to the king's table to feast with him forever and ever on his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his love and his grace. He invites all of us and says, I don't care who you are, what you've done. You're in the scope of my love. Therefore, I've got a place at the table for you. Yeah. Amen. His love is greater. His kindness is greater than our failures, than our brokenness, than our weaknesses. And, you know, and if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we as his children who have accepted, who have claimed our reservation at that table, if, we, if we're not careful, we'll overlook someone else who needs to hear that invitation. Yeah. Mephibosheth yeah. is easy. He's easy to overlook. Yeah. Amen. He's easy to, he's obscure. He's, he, he's, he's easy to, to, to he's easy to, easier to overlook than he is to deal with. Because Mephibosheth yeah. is unpleasant. Mephibosheth is crippled in sin. He's, he's not easy to get along with. Come on. Hmm? And, and many times, because we don't think about the kindness of God, but rather just kind of 
well, I don't want to deal with that person. And we don't take that opportunity to invite Mephibosheth to the king's table. And that's what he needs. That's what we all need. What does that invitation sound like? Hey, Christ died for your sins. Christ died for your sins. God has forgiven you. God loves you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He loves you exactly like you are, where you are. He'll take you right now and he invites you to come and live with him and to be a part of what he's doing in the earth and experience his love and grace. He, He did everything that he could for you so that you would not end up in eternal destruction. No, God made a way for you through Jesus. Jesus died for your sins so you don't have to. And they buried him in a tomb. But three days later, God raised him from the dead. And that way we all have hope knowing that even when this body dies, yet this is going to be raised someday and, and we're all going to be with him forever and evermore. It's the, it's the greatest news that could come. Well, what, what do I have to do? All you have to do is believe. How do I get to that supper? How do I get to that king's table? Just believe. Believe that Jesus did it for you. Believe that Christ died for your sins, sins and he's your only hope. He's your only way to God. It's that simple. This the, I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. We can't, you can't be good enough You can mark that off. You cannot do enough good stuff to get God's attention. Because all of our goodness outside of Christ, the scripture says, is nothing. Amen. It's nothing. How could we ever perform for a perfect, holy, and just God? How could we ever do anything good enough, we who are dead in sin, we who are lame and crippled and weak? Yet, through Jesus Christ, we have been made new. Glory to God. This is the story. This is the story that God did not leave us broken. God did not leave us lame. Amen. Oh God, we must continue. So David said to him, Do not fear, I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread of my table continually. Verse 8. This is not a one-time thing. This is a daily thing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He had a place every day for the rest of his life. God. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I. Isn't that something about the kindness of God? Isn't that something? You know, I found that's interesting. Some of the times that I've screwed up in my life, almost right behind that, something good happens to me. And I go, oh, God, why are you so good to me? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because he loves me. Because, you know, have you, anybody here, can you relate to that story? Yes. That you go, I don't deserve that. You, you kind of feel like Mephibosheth. I'm the dog. Why would you do that to me? You, Lord, you know what I've done. You know, why would you be so good? Because, because it's that goodness, the scripture yes. says, that continues to call us to repentance. Yeah. Amen. He's not doing that by threatening us. You better change. You better turn or burn. Yes. No, he's good to us. Yes. And yeah. it's his goodness. Amen that compels us. It's his goodness that overwhelms us. When he finds, I know exactly who you are. I know where you are. I know your name. I knew you the moment that you were conceived, before you were conceived in your mother's womb. God shows up on our behalf in those moments when we're in our weakest times at times, when we seem to be in our most sinful state. Yet God continues to be kind. Yeah. And he doesn't do that to draw the contrast between how good he is and how bad we are. He does that to pull us into his goodness. Amen. Okay. And the king said to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, 
called Ziba, Saul's servant. I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work this land for him. And this, wow, man, I mean, Mephibosheth is getting a deal now. Not only is he getting a place at the king's table, now he's getting all Saul's land that he had, and then he's getting all these guys that will work the land for him as he sits and feasts at the What has this guy done? Nothing. Nothing. He's just living on a promise. He's enjoying the promise. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's a good workforce. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servants, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Verse 13, Mephibosheth had a young, uh, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. I love the way it ends this. And he was lame in both of his feet. David showing to us that David overcame it, overcame himself to fulfill this promise. It's like the writer just had to say it one more time. He's sitting at the king's table and he was lame in both of his feet. This is a contradiction. After that saying, now, that saying that said, no blind nor lame shall come into the house. Now there's an asterisk by that to explain this guy's situation. Except for Mephibosheth, who was here because David made a promise to a friend. (laughs) And don't you know God made this promise to his son? He told his son, ask of me, I will give you the nations. Somewhere along this way, somewhere along in his sacrifice, Jesus looked to his father and said, give me all of them. Yes. Not just Israel. I want all of them. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And so you are enjoying that promise of kindness because he made a promise to his son. Yes. Amen. Oh, boy, that's good preaching. Okay, now let's continue. We've got to keep going. <laughs> all right, let's... Where are we? Ah, yes. Amen. Oh, that's so, that's so good. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Thank you. Thank you that you didn't, you didn't leave us lost. Thank you that you didn't leave us hopeless. Thank you that you didn't just wipe us out in your anger. Thank you that you pursued us. You came after us. You weren't willing to live without us. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 7. David is seat, sitting in his house one day and he's got Nathan the prophet there. And he says, man, I'm living good. I'm living in this big, beautiful house. Something's not right, though, Nathan, because my God is living in a tent. I want to build a house for God. Now watch, look at verse 5. And this is God's response through Nathan to David. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? This is one of the sweetest, sweetest chapters in the entire Bible between God and man. Verse 8, 
Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold. Your own daddy had forgotten about you, David, when it came time to be anointed king. I saw you out there. I heard the songs you were singing. I was with you. And all that time I was preparing you for this throne. I took you from the sheepfold and from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Verse 9, And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. David completely grabbed a hold of God's heart by this, by this response, by this request. I want to build God a house. I want to yeah. do something spectacular for God. I'm enjoying all this good. It's not right that the ark, that the presence of God sits under a canvas temp, uh, uh, tent. I want to build something great for God. Now, David was not able to because he was a man of a lot of bloodshed. But God did allow that request to take place through his son Solomon. And Solomon built the great temple. But it so touched God's heart that God responds to him and says, I'm going to make your name great, David. I'm going to build you a house. You want to build me a house? I'm going to build your house. Yeah, amen. And later on in the, in the book of Romans, we see that God said of David, he's a man after my own heart. Let me just yeah, say this to right. you. If your heart is for the house of God, your heart is for God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If your heart is for the house of God, your heart is for God. Yeah. The scripture says, God says, even of his house, my eyes are on it and my heart is in it perpetually. My heart is in it Always. This is, this is the, right here, right? This gathering of people right here in this place. This is the object of God's affection. God loves what he's seeing here when he sees you gather together in the name of Jesus. He loves this. Paul later on said of the church of God, he said, the church of the living God, it is the pillar and ground of truth. Now, I don't know what your testimony about church has been. Maybe it's not been good. Maybe it has been good. But I just want to tell you my personal testimony is the church has been good for me. It has been good for me. Now, I, even when I was trying to stray from God, even when I wasn't really trying to live for Him. But yet I kept coming back to church. I, for one thing, I was scared of my father. But I mean, sometimes it was just for that reason because I didn't want to dishonor my dad. I loved him. Uh, but I didn't, it wasn't because I wanted to be there. You know, there are times, anybody gone to church because you had to? Huh? Yeah, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church on Sundays and Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah, drugged me all over the place. So no, they... So, I, I, but I, I knew, I knew if Sunday was just coming right back around soon, I mean, how far can you stray if you know you're going to end up back in that seat again, right? Yeah. It's like you keep coming back and then, okay, all right, oh, this is miserable. You can't, you can't be a good sinner if, you, if you're in church regularly. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't be all that good at it. I'm, that's, that's just my personal opinion. It's my personal story, and I, uh, you know. I used to hear people talk about the church. I mean, just denigrate. Oh, I, I, I saw this guy over there, but I saw him in the bar the night before. Well, good. What's wrong with that? Well, it's hypocrite. Okay. Why don't you come on? We got room for more of them. Come on. Amen. Yeah. We got a seat for you too. All right? Yeah. Who cares? All right? I thank God. Hey, listen, we, we find out real quick that living in this flesh is a struggle. 
right? Because yeah. it, it wants to please yeah. itself. But hey, I, I think the church is the place for hypocrites. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, hypocrites. Please, come one, come all. Because every time we are here in the presence of God, it's an opportunity for our lives to change. It's an opportunity for us to have a God encounter, to get with God's people. I say, bring them on. Come on. Huh? I know I've lived that before. I've been that guy. That was, my heart was trying to go one way, but the church kept me balanced. It kept me grounded. It kept me thinking right. And one day... It didn't come, become about I have to or I need to. It became about I want to be here. Yeah. And it's the Amen. church that I've found. This is where I married this beautiful woman. This is where I made my promises for life. And Wednesday is going to be 20 years. Hallelujah that we did Amen. that 20 years ago. And we dedicated, we dedicated all of our children to the Lord in the house of God. I was yeah. called by God in the house of God. The, the biggest monumental things in my life happened in the house. Yeah. I love it. God loves it. Yeah, amen. And he tells David, I'm going to build your house. I'm almost through. Uh, okay, let's go uh, to verse uh, 16 of that. Look what God says to David. And your house and your kingdom shall be established. How long? Forever. Wow. Well, you talk about a generational blessing. Yeah. It never ends. Praise. Your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. There's only one way that that can happen for David's throne to be established forever. And that is if great David's greater son, Jesus Christ, would sit there. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This is where we see Jesus. Mary has been visited by an angel. And the angel says to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Hallelujah. Verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Hallelujah. God was telling him, Jesus. He was telling him. We, that's where we see Jesus right here. All the way back in 2 Samuel. There he is. He spoke him. He spoke of King Jesus, the, the son of David, the son of the Most High, who would establish that throne forever and evermore. And Jesus Christ will come back and he will sit on the literal seat of David and he will rule and reign here for a thousand years. Hallelujah. He will take that which all went wrong and make it all right for us. Hallelujah. All right. This last thought, last thing, 2 Samuel chapter 22. I want to give you your memento to take home today. Hallelujah. 2 Samuel 22. Let's go ahead and look at verse 31 for time's sake there, Joshua. As for God, David goes on this, this praise rant. In this, in this whole chapter, it's glorious. And he just starts remembering the goodness of God in his life. That's what I love about King David that stood him out uh, from all the other kings is that even though he was king, he always acknowledged God as the ultimate king so that the people wouldn't look to him, but they would always worship and magnify the Lord. All right, he says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. I want to encourage you to read that entire chapter because it's all just this, this remembrance of God. But this is what I want you to take home today. I want you to write these down for your memento where it says, as, God, as for God, his way is perfect. I want you to write this down. Pray his way. If his way is perfect, then I want to live that way. 
Huh? If his way is the right way, then I want to live that way. And prayer, and prayer will guide your life to live God's yeah. way. Yes. All right? In all your ways, the scripture says, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Yeah. So always be ready to pray. Pray about everything. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Amen? Take it to God with thanksgiving. Pray His way. Now listen, well, you know, maybe you're here today and say, well, I don't know how to pray. Hey, I got four letters. One word. Help. That's a good start right there. All right? Help. God help because the scripture says He's a very present help to those in need. He is. That's been, that's been my prayer at times. I don't know what else to say except God help, and he's always been faithful to do it. He said, I'll never leave you no for a second. Pray his way. Pray his way. Pray his way. God, do, your, do what you want to do in my family. Help my marriage. God, help my children. Help me on the job. Help me where I go. Be my strength. Give me wisdom today. Give me understanding. Help me not to, not to get caught up in the things that are going around me, Lord. Help me yeah. to see things as you see them. I want to live in your way today. I want to experience your joy in my life and your peace. All right, let's continue. And it says the word of the Lord is proven. This next thought is, well, if that's the case, then prove his word. Prove his word. How do you do that? Well, you confess it. You say, you declare what God has said. You prove His Word. If the Scripture says, by His stripes you are healed, then prove it. Prove it. Prove you're healed. Confess His Word. Prove His Word in your life. Prove His Word in your marriage. Prove His Word in the way that you work. The Scripture says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Prove His Word. Amen. Okay, i got to finish with this last thought. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. This is simple. Believe in God. He's a shield to all those who trust in Him. That means there's total victory in faith. He's a shield. If God is your shield... How could you possibly lose? Yeah. Amen. You can't. Amen. You win every time. Faith yeah. is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. Believe in God. I like the acronym yeah. big. That's how you live Thank a big you. life. Live a big life and believe in God. He's a shield around yeah. me. Pray his way, prove his word, and believe in God. Praise Father, thank you now for this great time with your great people. Thank you for the church. Lord, I'm so grateful for what the church has done for me personally. And I'm honored to stand here week in and week out to help others experience your grace and know you in a greater way, to teach your people the word. Thank you, Lord, for this moment right now. I believe that, that you... You're speaking to people, even right now at this moment. Maybe some are here today, God, and and for the first time in their life, they're sensing you. They've not slowed down enough or really even given attention to actually hear you and to feel something. And I know that there are some in here today that are feeling something going on, a swelling in their hearts, something. 
Some are here today thinking things got to change. Things got to change. There's some in here today who need a touch from you. They need healing. Father, this is the place where it happens. In the midst of your people. I pray, Father, I thank you that you meet people exactly where they are. But Lord, you don't leave us there. You always lift us up and bring us to where you are. For just a moment, if everybody could just bow their heads for just a second. I, I want to just talk to some of you here today. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't know God. You don't know God. Church isn't a regular thing in your life. and You just kind of live life as it comes to you. But maybe today I've gotten your attention. Maybe something in your heart is responding to what I've said today. Maybe you've only heard that God's angry and always felt like God was mad at you. And, or maybe your whole experience with God has just been one of religious duty because you needed to. But I want to hear to, I'm here today to offer life to you, to say that it's a real relationship with God. He loves you so much that He wants you in His family. And there's an invitation to the king's table today. There's a, there's, a, there's a name card with your name on it at his table. Will you come? Will you accept that invitation to the king's table today? And come out of your obscurity, come out of your lack and loss and brokenness and be seated at his table and be made new again today. If that's you, you say, Pastor Eric, that's me. I, I want a relationship with God. Today, I want to surrender my heart to Him. I need a new start. I need a new life. I need Him. And if you could just raise your hand right where you're sitting. I'm just, I just want to see your hand. That's it. Are you here today? I just want to see you respond today. All right, thank you. Anybody else here today say, I, I, I want to know Jesus. I need Him as my Savior. I want this. I want a real relationship with God. Are you here today? Anybody else here today with your hand up? All right, thank you. Thank you so much. I want us all to pray this prayer along with these who have raised their hand. I'm going to give you some words to pray. You just believe today. Say this with me. God, I've heard your word today. I've heard your gospel. I believe your gospel. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was buried. And I believe God raised him from the dead. Three days later. Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. So I don't have to die. Thank you for being separated from God. From me. So that I would never know that. I receive you as my Savior. Come and sit on the throne of my heart. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Old things are gone. Everything has been made new. Now I confess God is my Father and heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.